I am a recovering traditionalist. For decades, I set aside the Word of God in order to follow the traditions of men. Put another way, I chose to listen to the religious impulse of the flesh rather than hear and obey the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, let me be clear, I was not a cult member. I was an active churchgoer within a mainstream evangelical heritage. But what I lacked was the knowledge of the whole purpose of God, for I had never exposed my tradition to the objective light of Jesus' teaching. It was only during a life crisis that I began to read Scripture in its own context, and I am here to tell you, the difference that made cannot be measured. I cannot count the number of times I paused while reading the entirety of a text and thought, hey, wait a minute, this isn't what I was told this passage meant. As I learned to read scripture within its own context and prayerfully, I was set free from the shackles of human tradition. But most of all, I learned to hear the voice of my Lord within Scripture, a necessary prerequisite to obedience and spiritual maturation. And I want this for you, too. I'm going to take this brief message from Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 22. In fact, I think what I'll do is I'll begin by reading that text. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 22. It is so contemporary, this text. And it, it is uh, something that we live with on a daily basis. This is not just a historic incident. It is something that is very applicable to our day's uh, uh, current situation. So, Mark chapter 7. Quote, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating with, with hands, eating food, with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions, to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. 
And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses her father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. End quote. Well, may the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his holy and fully inspired and inerrant word. Amen. It has been my experience that to take Jesus seriously requires one make a clean, permanent break with the fleshly impulse at work within human religious tradition. Now, don't get me wrong, not all tradition is bad. There is healthy tradition, meaning the apostolic tradition which originates with revelation by the Spirit. 2 Thessalonians 2.14 and 2 Thessalonians 3.6 are uh, places where Paul commends the apostolic tradition. What concerns us here is the destructive religious tradition which originates with the spirit of the world and serves as a cloak for sin, which we call traditionalism. It is traditionalism which the elders of Israel practiced and which Jesus exposed and condemned. And it was traditionalism that later bewitched the new converts in Galatia and prompt Paul's apostolic curse. So this is serious business. This is 
no joke. For just as the spirit opposes the flesh, and the flesh the spirit, so also these two forms of tradition oppose each other. So we want to be certain we too are not bewitched by traditionalism. Sadly, most American Christians are in fact bewitched. They have bought into, they've come under the trance even, of traditionalism. And what they know of the Word of God, they know of through the lens and the paradigm and the voices of their tradition only. They've never encountered the Word of God on their own. They've never known the delight and the joy and the beauty of hearing the voice of the Spirit in the text for themselves. So the question before us, therefore, is how do we discern between the apostolic tradition and traditionalism? Let's begin by reminding ourselves that even though in a fallen condition, humanity nonetheless remains religious. The religious impulse of the flesh, however, is not virtuous. God is not impressed with religion. The religious impulse creates practices that maintain an appearance of piety, but mask a depraved heart. Romans 1, 18-3.21 So let's take Jesus seriously by hearing what he says about traditionalism. Jesus teaches that traditionalism produces two things, hypocrisy and vain worship. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Quoting from Isaiah, Jesus said traditionalism allows people whose hearts are far from God to nonetheless honor him with their lips. Traditionalism is deadly because it looks like real religion, it sounds like real religion, when in fact it is vain, worthless, and in the end only earns the rebuke and just condemnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, why is it important that you recognize the deadly nature of traditionalism? Well, the answer is in the question. It's deadly. It is important also because most American churches are temples to human religious thought and tradition. They may purport to be Bible-based churches. Some might even refer to themselves as a Bible church. But if you scratch the surface, you'll find doctrinal statements, ways of preaching, ways of teaching, even ways of living that are far more grounded in traditionalism than they are the scripture. And to them, Jesus would say, as he did in our text, quote, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. That is a divine indictment against these Jewish elders. And it is a divine indictment against Christian elders today as well in many, many churches. 
Let me explain. Most Catholic and mainline Protestant theological systems are imports from the traditionalism of the European state church. And at no time in church history did traditionalism reign as it did in the European state church from the 4th through the 19th century, and in some places continues to this day. This is simple historic fact, no matter how their proponents may argue differently. And while it is widely understood that the Roman Catholic Church is steeped in traditionalism, and boy is it, most evangelical and Protestant Christians do not realize that their own confessions and creeds also represent displays of traditionalism. Let me give you an example. For instance, for Presbyterians or Anglicans, they would never question the much-revered Westminster Confession of Faith or the 39 Articles of the Book of Common Prayer any more than a practicing Jew would question the Talmud or the Mishnah. These documents, whether Jewish or Christian, are not scripture. But because they guide the adherent to interpret scripture according to the tradition, they ultimately replace the sole authority of scripture for many. They will quote the confession. They will quote the articles. A Jew will quote the Talmud or the Mishnah, and not even attempt to go directly to the scripture and find it from its source. So it is in this sense that traditionalism robs the Christian of the life-giving power of the Spirit through the revealed text alone. In recent decades, the trend towards more and more in, uh, study Bibles have become a problem with this as well. Rather than reading the text for themselves and knowing the delight and the joy of discovering the truth of the text themselves, many Christians will read the text and then immediately read the notes of whoever the author or committee decided that text means, without ever doing the work. When I was in Bible college, we were taking inductive Bible study. And I remember particularly my professor sternly warning us to do the work, read the text three, four times from different translations. Do your own observation work. Do your own interpretive work. And once you've done all your own work, then you're welcome to open a study Bible, but not before. <laughs> God bless him. He was trying to teach us to read the word of God well and interpret it as it was meant to be interpreted and understand it as it was meant to be understood, not as some publisher wanted me to hear. What is worse, many popular Christian leaders in America, like the Jewish elders in our text, peddle religious tradition, though they pretend to be great exponents of the Word of God. Now, how do they get away with it? These peddlers get away with it because traditionalism robs the average Christian of the ability to read and understand the Bible well, which in turn 
frankly, leaves them dull of hearing and not mature enough to discern good from evil. This was the effect of traditionalism upon me. I went for 20 years thinking that I understood enough of the gospel uh, to make it work in my life. But when it came right down to it, I looked, my understanding looked more like Swiss cheese. There were large holes, and those holes created a lot of chaos and misery in my life. <clears throat> Today, most evangelical churches operate out of some form of traditionalism. And inherent within traditionalism is this insidious work of keeping its adherence in the dark of anything but the tradition. So it is. Sunday after Sunday, people attend houses of traditionalism. Church leaders attend conference after conference, never bothering to question what they are hearing from the modern super-apostles of our day. Unsuspecting people dig deep into their pockets to support television and radio programming, believing they are getting the Word of God. But what they are getting is traditionalism with just enough biblical text tossed in to maintain credibility. Traditionalism traffics in half-truths and never the whole will of God. See Acts 20, 27. Well, let's return now to our text. In verse 9, Jesus expounds upon his rebuke in verse 8, adding, You have a fine way of setting aside the commandments of God in order to observe your own traditions. Jesus busted them. Jesus goes from simply stating what they do in verse 8 to adding how they do it in verse 9. You are experts, begins verse 9 in the NASB. These men were experts in setting aside the commandments of God in order to, in order to observe their traditions. In other words, they skillfully set aside the commands of God in order to observe their traditions. And why do they do this? One simple answer, greed and power. Traditionalism is a mask for greed and power. And most often at the expense of the poor, the weak, and the elderly. For instance, Jesus goes on then to illustrate his charge against these traditionalists by exposing the common practice of that day of diverting resources that might have been used to care for one's aging parents, as God commands, to instead be Korban, a word meaning devoted to God. Now that does not mean that those funds necessarily went into the temple treasury, but remained instead in the pockets of the religious leaders. If one declared money as Korban, yet that is devoted to God, one could then piously avoid giving that money to one's parents and yet remain in control of the bunny. It was even possible to later revoke the vow in order to use those funds. Traditionalism had developed an expert way of setting aside the commands of God 
in order to facilitate their greed. Elsewhere, Jesus exposes the exploitation of the weak and the vulnerable for the sake of monetary gain, such as the common practice of devouring widows' estates by the scribes, Mark 12, 38-40. All of this reveals the sickening fact that human religious tradition is simply most often a pretext for power and greed. Pope Leo X in the 16th century said, This myth of Christ has proved to be most profitable to us. Quote, end quote. He then went on to sell indulgences and superstitions and traditions to the poorest of the poor to build St. Peter's Basilica. That's one extreme example, and it all rolls downhill from there. By contrast, the Word of God reads, quote, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James 1, 27. Totally contrary to the traditions of the elders. The Pharisees and teachers of the law were experts in nullifying the word of God by employing traditionalism for their own self-interests. And sadly, this remains so today among modern religious leaders as well. So, what can be done to escape this evil? Well, our text tells us that too. In verse 14, we're told Jesus said to the crowd and all those gathered around him, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. The way we escape the snare of human tradition is to listen to Jesus. Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. In other words, we are to take him and his teachings seriously if we are going to escape the clutches, the snare of traditionalism. This means we do more than just hear the word, his word. We also understand it and act on it. This is the biblical meaning of listening, to hear and obey. Elsewhere, Jesus warns against hearing and failing to act on his word. In Matthew, Jesus says, quote, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. That's Matthew seven twenty four through 27 James echoes his Lord, saying, quote, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom 
and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. To hear the word is to do it. The practice, however, of hearing and not doing belongs to human tradition. It is the leading characteristic of human tradition. For as we have already discovered, human religious traditions breed only two things, hypocrisy and vain worship. And just as there are those who hear and do not do, there are also those who preach and do not practice what they preach. Like people, like priests, says the prophet Hosea, Hosea 4.9. Neither people nor priests hear and obey the word of God. Both will likewise be condemned. Jesus once told a crowd, including his disciples, the teachers of the law sit in, in the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So, you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Matthew 23, 1-3 To preach and to not do is to prove oneself a hypocrite. Traditionalists then, and now, are long on oratory and short on deeds. So the way to escape the snare of deadly religious tradition is to hear and obey Jesus, and by extension, his apostles. Yet Paul tells us the church of the last days will be characterized by those who maintain the outward appearance of religion, but will have repudiated its power. Avoid people like these. 2 Timothy 3, 5. So here's a question for you. To whom are you listening? Are you listening to the voice of traditionalism or to Jesus in the text of Scripture? You'll notice that Jesus did not seek to find common ground with the Pharisees and teachers of the law. One might have thought that he and they would have had much in common, that they might even had coexist bumper stickers on their ox carts. But Jesus rebuked them outright. Elsewhere, in fact, Jesus warned his disciples against the leaven or the yeast of their teaching, saying, Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. In other words, a little bit of traditionalism goes a long way. We want and need the whole will, the whole counsel, the whole purpose of God. We need the pure word of God, as Peter describes. And nothing less with no mixing of traditionalistic yeast. So the traditionalists and Jesus shared no common ground. The traditionalists stood in opposition to Jesus and his kingdom. And when the divine calendar allowed, they would demand his execution 
at the hands of the Romans. So the dividing line between the traditionalists and Jesus was and remains as clear and stark as that between Satan's realm and the kingdom of God. This is why you must be clear as to whom you are listening. Well, this dividing line between the traditionalists and Jesus is also revealed in Jesus' teaching on the true source of defilement. It's not in pots and pans or not washing your hands. Our text opens with the teachers of the law arriving from Jerusalem. It appears to examine Jesus and his disciples. That was their responsibility. They felt it was their job to come from Jerusalem and check out these teachers like Jesus in Galilee and other parts of Israel. Look at them, examine them, judge them. And these men were not happy that they found the disciples not ceremonially washing their hands before eating. So Jesus, having called the crowd together again, declared, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So here Mark is providing yet another shining example of the contrast between the traditionalism of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, which I remind you represented the main structure, the leading authorities on religious matters within Israel at the time. So there's a contrast between the traditionalism of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the teaching of Jesus, and it's night and day. Appearances are everything in traditionalism, but it's the heart that matters to God. And Jesus is teaching that a person is defiled not by things outside, but by what comes out from the person. We ought to note here that the disciples, having been raised to observe the traditions of the elders, did not understand what Jesus meant. It had to be shocking to them. And Jesus rebuked them, asking, Are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into the stomach, and then outside the body. Mark then adds, In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Jesus declared all foods clean. Well, what's happened here? Dietary laws were not only codified in the Mosaic Law, they were part of the Jewish culture. Kosher food. But Jesus declaring all foods clean. What's happening? Well, to understand what's happening here, we must understand, and here comes those two big words again, the covenantal and eschatological context of the gospel. What is the covenant situation in the eschatological context? 
What's going on in the times that Jesus lived? What's happening under his ministry that he declared all foods clean? Jesus' ministry represents the inauguration of the future end-time kingdom into the present day. That's all eschatological means, end-time things. Along with his kingdom, he is also anticipating the new covenant that he will soon consecrate at the cross. And the new creation, which his resurrection will also inaugurate. In his kingdom, and under the new covenant, and in the new creation, it is upon the heart and mind that God will write his law. And therefore, all ceremonial law and customs are fulfilled in Jesus. In short, Jesus is teaching from a covenantal and eschatological reality to which the Pharisees and the teachers of the law did not belong. But the disciples did belong to this covenantal and eschatological reality. They were citizens of the kingdom of God by virtue of their connection, their fellowship with Jesus. And so Jesus is careful to instruct them in private, away from the traditionalists in the crowd. And he teaches them that at the heart of the matter is this matter of the human heart. Under the new covenant, God regenerates the heart and mind so that the sinner is made a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 The new creation for which we await, the new heaven and the new earth, has already begun in the regenerating power of everyone who is born of the Spirit. Therefore, things such as foods that do not enter the heart but the stomach and are, and are then eliminated have no bearing on us any longer. For it is from within, out of our hearts, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adult, greed, male, excuse me, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these things come from inside and defile a person. But under the new covenant, we are given new hearts, new minds, upon which God has written his law, and he has placed his spirit within us. So that, even though Jesus makes it clear that this essential teaching, that the human heart is defiled by sin and not by food, and that ceremonial washing cannot cure it, we have this hope, as did his disciples, that we are citizens of the kingdom under a new covenant, the new covenant of the spirit of life, with a new nature, so that we are no longer observers of the law, but fulfillers of the law. This is why Jesus pronounced a divine curse upon the Pharisees and their religious tradition, saying, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee! 
First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Matthew 23, 25-26 In human traditionalism, appearance is everything, and it is powerless to produce internal change and restraint. Under the new covenant of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the work of His Spirit within us, we are new creations, and the law is written in our mind in our hearts. The inside is clean, and we progressively grow and rehabituate our behaviors, our thought, our thoughts, our actions, in accordance with that new creation that we are. But traditionalism doesn't give up. Paul comments, Since you die with Christ to be the to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to this world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. We once had an old friend of my wife's over for uh, a, a weekend. And on Saturday morning, I offered to make her breakfast. I offered her bacon and eggs. Well, she was a professing Christian of a certain sect, and she rebuked me. She said, I will not eat pig. Jesus didn't eat pig. To her, Paul would say, since you've died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Colossians 2, 20-23 If our friend had no taste for bacon and eggs, I certainly could have heard that. <laughs> I could have offered her something else. But she was convinced that there was a religious value in her tradition for not eating bacon. And she was quite offended. In the final analysis, the only thing human religious tradition produces is hypocrisy. It is therefore deadly to the soul and brings blasphemy to the name of Christ. You know, the world takes note of religious hypocrisy far more than it does the preaching of the gospel. If the world cannot see Jesus, they have little or no interest in hearing about him. And traditionalism is big in talking about Jesus, but showing little or nothing of his character in their daily conduct. Will you begin today to listen to Jesus? And if what you hear conflicts with your religious tradition, will you choose him over your tradition? How do you listen to Jesus?
by careful, prayerful study of Scripture, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you as you study. Remember, contextual. A genuine devotion to regular, prayerful, and contextual reading of Scripture is instrumental to hearing Jesus and escaping the snare of traditionalism. I did. It still lures me. It's still out there. I feel sometimes that I want to concede and go to a larger church or some place that maybe has a little more activity going on. But I'd have to hold my nose and step into a, a pool of traditionalism to do it. And I won't go there. The Word of God is just too precious. Well, I hope this has been helpful. I ask you to pray on these things, meditate on them, and may the Lord preserve you in His grace and His love. Until next time. Amen.